See, that song means a lot to me. I mean, the history of the song is unbelievable, but my history of the song is after 20 years of drug addiction and alcoholism and crimes and just being a fool. March 2004, I, God gave me the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I began to speak in another language, in a drug rehab. I laid on my bed that night. I had tears running down my face, and I just laid there singing, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Then when I graduated drug court, they had me sing Amazing Grace. As they took and they wiped away 12, 13 class Y felonies. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And one of these days, I believe I'm going to be in the rapture, but if I don't and I face death, I'll face it with no fear. Because of his amazing grace. And after 10,000 years at his feet, I'll be there. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Mark 5 and 35. We're just real close to just having just a tie throwing, coat slinging, shoe flipping, bobby pin throwing, shirt untucker, hair messer upper. In Arkansas, we call it a frog strangler when it gets to raining real hard. Y'all ever heard frog? I know he hasn't from Michigan. I mean, they don't even have frogs in Michigan. It gets so cold. If they do, they're so cold, they just go rick. They don't even get the ibit out, you know. <laughs> she does not like me. I guess she's not used to seeing somebody smaller than her dad. <laughs> I got Brother Tim last night, so I won't even start on you yet, Homer. I'm ready to go to that next level in the service. Mark 5 and 35, while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? 
As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid. Come on. Come on, can I tell somebody right now? Be not afraid. Only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway, what no board meeting, Come on, what no little group discussion. Straightway, the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. Here in the last few months, I've been preaching this because I feel like the Lord has given me a word for the apostolic circles. Don't be afraid, believe. Come on, the pastor said it last night. And that was an awesome word. When he began to speak about how after the fifth trumpet, hell has opened up and spirits come upon the earth. They're attacking us like never before. But can I tell you, don't be afraid, believe. Come on, I don't care what it says. I don't care what they're trying to do to you. Don't be afraid, believe. Father, I worship you. I magnify your name, Lord. God, there is none like you. There is none beside you. Lord, there is none beside you, God, and I need you right now, Jesus. I need you to touch my body. I need you to touch my mind, touch my throat, God, touch my voice. In the name of Jesus. Now, in the name of Jesus, any spirit of doubt, any spirit of fear and disbelief, I cast it out of this building and take authority over it. In the name of Jesus. Now I loose you, Lord, to do your work in here. Let the gifts of the Spirit start to operate right now, Lord. Let the word, gift of faith, Lord, begin to operate. Let healings and miracles begin to operate in this place. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Let's give him one more hand clap of praise. You may be seated. A ruler of the synagogue, a man named Jairus, he comes and falls at the feet of Jesus. Now, I can only imagine how desperate and afraid Jairus is at this moment in his life because his daughter was so sick that she was at the point of death. So he comes and he falls at Jesus' feet and he begins to plead with him to come and lay his hands on her so that she can be healed. So Jesus starts out with Jairus, but as they walk, a crowd begins to press all around them. Now, I can only imagine how Jairus was feeling. He's worried about his daughter, worried about whether she's going to make it or not, and now this crowd is holding them up, 
And he knows that her only chance is if he can get Jesus to her in time. At that moment, there's a woman in the crowd who for 12 years has had an issue of blood. And she has suffered many things by many physicians. Some of my worst suffering has been at the hands of a physician. I would rather spend a month in solitary confinement than an hour at the physician's office. And after she had spent all that she had had, some of the most money I've ever spent (laughs) has been with a physician. She had spent everything that she had, but after all of this, she wasn't better, but she was worse. But the Bible tells us she hears that Jesus is there. Because there's a crowd pressing him. So she begins to press through the crowd. This was an unclean woman because she had an unclean disease. She wasn't supposed to be in the synagogue. And she starts fighting her way through this crowd. Because she knew that her only hope was in Jesus. And that if somehow she could just get to him and touch his clothes, that she would be made whole. You see... sometimes we just have to throw protocol out the window. Come on, sometimes we just have to forget about who's watching us. Come on, sometimes you just have to get rid of all this old stinking pride and get desperate for Jesus. When I walked through those doors tonight, I felt in my spirit a desperation for touching the hem of Jesus Christ. Come on, I feel an urgency in this place that if someone will just cast everything aside, that if someone will just forget about who's watching them and crawl and get to Jesus, that everything's going to be made all right. Don't you make no mistakes about it. This woman knew who this was. This was the one the prophets had said would come with healing in his wings. And she knew she had to do everything she could to reach him and touch him. She finally presses through the crowd. I don't know if she had to crawl. I don't know what she had to do. But she finally gets to Jesus. And when she does, she reaches up and touches his clothes. The Bible says immediately... Don't you like how Jesus deals? Straightway. Immediately. Come on. Straightway. Immediately. You don't have to walk in here like you came in. Come on. If you walked in here bound by sickness, I rebuke your sickness in the name of Jesus. Come on. If you walked in here bound by addiction, I rebuke your addiction in the name of Jesus. If you walked in this place bound by fear, I take fear and I cast it out of this place in the name of Jesus. Immediately, the fountain of her blood is dried up. Now, here's one part in the scripture that stands out to me. And it says, the woman feels in her body that she is healed. Now, I'm just telling you, I believe people get healed down here. And they let doubt and fear ruin the healing that is in process. Because there's miracles. And there's healings. Healings begin to start the moment that the oil is put on your head. 
God begins to do things in your body to bring it back like it was. A miracle happens instantly. And I believe that people lose their healing because they walk out of the church after God has touched them in their body. They get in their car and doubt sinks in. All right, maybe not at this place. Jesus feels virtue leave his body. You know what he says? Who touched my clothes? Who touched my clothes? Mark 5 and 32. And he looked round about to see the her that had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, because she knew she was healed, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. See, this woman's at the feet of Jesus. She's afraid. And Jesus not only tells her that she is healed, but he calls her daughter. He went further than just being her healer at that moment. He is letting her know that I'm your God. I'm your father. I'm not only going to heal you, but because you believed in me, you're also going to leave here in peace. Come on, can I tell somebody in this place, don't be afraid, just believe. Not only is your healer in this building tonight, but the peacemaker is in this building tonight. Come on, the peacemaker is in this building tonight. Jesus Christ is in this place to set somebody free. Jesus is in this place. Don't be afraid, don't be afraid. The opposite of faith is fear. The devil's biggest weapon is not the sins of this world, but that's a pretty good one. But his biggest weapon is fear. His goal is to come into our homes and into our lives and send in a spirit of fear because if a spirit of fear ever gets a hold of you, then he can steal your faith. And when he steals your faith... That disrupts the flow of God in our lives and in our homes. Fear is contagious. Fear will spread like a wildfire. I've seen fear take over marriages. I've seen fear take over homes. I've seen it move into groups in a church and utterly stomp out the miracles and the move of God in churches. Second Timothy says, God hath not given us a spirit of fear but a power and a love and a sound mind. The devil knows that he can rob us of our miracle, that he can rob us of our power, and he can rob us of our peace and and sound mind just by letting fear get in. Then after fear, it opens up the door for doubt and worry and total disbelief. And if you'll notice... The scripture calls fear a spirit. You ever notice that? All through the New Testament, examples are given of us, of our dominion of us, of our, of us over spirits. Acts tells us that we receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon us. And because of the power and the name of Jesus, can I tell you that there is no spirit There is no principality that can stand against us. 
That doesn't mean that they can't come against us because that old devil will come against you. But if we are in our flesh and we think that we can do it on our own, the spirit of fear will come in and you will be defeated. We was talking at dinner in between massive amounts of food. I have to go through our trailer door sideways now. I'm having trouble buttoning my coats. I was talking to Brother Matt. I've probably gained at least four pounds since I've been here. Now, you think about that. That's been since Sunday. Tonight's Thursday. And I told him my problem is I have the metabolism of a sloth. But we was talking at, at dinner tonight. And I was in bed one night. This is right when Madison just now got out of her braces. Thank you, Jesus. They thought it was going to be longer, but Jesus said it's going to be now. And she started walking like a ballerina everywhere without a tutu and without the shoes. And the doctor said whatever got us there, that, that the best thing that could ever happen was that, that we got her to the doctor when we did. So they began to do tests. They did a CAT scan on her brain. I don't think they found a brain. No, she's smart. They did a CAT scan on her spine. And I'm going to tell you, one of the biggest fears, scariest moments of my life was when that doctor said, I need you to come outside. And everybody else was left in that room. I thought, well, I wonder why he needs me. And he looked me in the face. He said, I'm just going to be honest with you. This looks like paralysis from the waist down. He said, I'm 90% sure. He said, we're going to run tests and y'all come back. I said, well, I looked at him and I said, well, I'm 90% sure that it ain't. And I, was, I, I felt fear come over me. And... They put her in cast for six weeks. I told Sister Jean that they told me that I had six weeks to live. Put me with a nine-year-old in cast because it would be the longest six weeks of my life. <laughs> and I'd been fasting and praying. And I was laying in bed. You ever notice how the devil will come at you in a dream? Come on, I'm just going to tell you, that's when you're vulnerable. And there he was sitting at the foot of the bed. This was different than any other spirit that I had ever fought. This one was like a prince or a king. You could tell that he had a different authority. And he was just looking at me. So I said, hey, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Get out of my house. He said, no. Try that one on for size. 
I said, in the name of Jesus, get out of my house. He said, I, he said you don't have power over me. Getting quiet in here. I'm thinking, well, I'm Nick Mahaney. I'm an evangelist. I preach at Calvin Jean's church. Now, you better listen to me, Jack. I said, in Jesus' name, get out of my house. No. He said, I'll do whatever I want to you and your family. And fear began to come over me instantly. And I felt the Lord speak to me. He said, you're in your flesh. You can't defeat him in your flesh. The Lord said, tell him about your friend. I looked up. I said, you win. I can't defeat you, but have I told you about my friend? Immediately, no! Don't you, do, don't you bring him in on this. I said, my friend is Jesus. And he began to get out of my house, and I woke up, and I said, in Jesus' name. This time I wasn't in the flesh. This time I had the power of my friend, Jesus, because he told me in his word, he said, you're no longer my servant. He said, you are my friend. Come on. My friend is Jesus. He has dominion over every devil in hell. My name, my friend is Jesus. He has dominion over every sickness. My friend is Jesus. He has dominion over every demon, every demonic spirit, every power that tries to come against us. Don't be afraid. Believe. Can I tell somebody? Don't be afraid. Believe. As Jesus is speaking to this woman, someone from the ruler of the synagogue's house tells him. Now you got to remember, I just read, they're trying to get to his house. His daughter's dying. So his servant runs up, says, don't worry about it. It's too late. She's already dead. Can you see it? At that moment, in the very midst of the miracle that had just happened, at the very moment of the miracle... Doubt and fear is already trying to raise its ugly head. Jesus hears it, and he feels it, and immediately he says, Don't be afraid. Only believe. He goes into the house of this ruler. People are crying and weeping and screaming over the death of this little girl. You know what he does? He makes all the doubters leave. He makes them get out of the house, and he takes the parents and goes into this little girl. Come on, sometimes you just have to get rid of all that fear. Come on, sometimes you just have to forget about it all. You just have to get rid of all this doubt and disbelief. You know why? Because a miracle doesn't look like it's ever going to happen. Come on, a miracle seems like it's impossible. But nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible with Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid. Believe. Don't be afraid. Believe. Jesus is about to walk up to that crisis that you think it's dead and it's over with. And he's about to reach down. He's about to pull it up on his feet and bring it back to life. Don't be afraid. Believe. Come on, this church. Now, I'm not generalizing now. This church is on the verge of the greatest revival this area has ever seen. 
This church is going to see miracle signs and wonders. This church are going to see demons cast out. And the devil knows his time is short. So he's pushing harder against us than he ever has. Sin and perversion are now running rampant in this world. Ten years ago, we are seeing things that we never would have dreamed would have happened. Men and women fall into unnatural affection. Come on, God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. God put us here to procreate. A man and a man can't have children. A woman and a woman can't have children. Come on, it's time that the church make a stand against this junk coming against our homes, coming against our families. Afraid to preach against sin. What has become of us? Come on, it's still not natural for a man and a man to be together. They try to force this on us. They don't want to hear what I've got to say, but I have to listen to what all them Fruit Loops have to say. I'm tired of it. Come on, I'm tired of it coming against my family. I'm praying some direct prayers right now. I'm praying some direct prayers. I rebuke homosexuality. I rebuke adultery. I rebuke fornication. We want to say things, well, it's an abomination. Let me tell you something. Adultery is an abomination to God too. Come on. Pornography is an abomination to God too. Come on, you better watch, young men, what you put in front of your eyes. Because there's a spirit that's going to come over you. A spirit of lust that you won't be able to contain. Come on, you need to be strong in this day. If you can't handle it, you need to get rid of your phones. If you can't handle it, you need to get rid of your iPads. Men coming down on women, preaching everything against the woman, when the truth of the matter is they're trying to compete with what their husband is looking at in the wee hours of the morning in the dark. Come on, men, we got to stand up. The Bible says we had to lift holy hands without wrath, without doubting. Come on. You can't have holy hands if you're looking at things that you shouldn't be looking at. Come on, God needs some men in this last day. Says, you know what? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to be a holy man. I'm going to be a righteous man. Now they're throwing their lifestyles at us boldly. In our schools, I thank God for Christian schools and church schools. The stuff that I read that they're doing in public schools makes me sick. And they're even coming against it in religion and in politics. These tactics are full force and they're in the face of the church. And we are in the fight of our life. But even with all these weapons that I'm talking about at his disposal, his most powerful weapon is fear and unbelief. Yeah. 
But you need to hear me right now. Like a beacon shining bright, Jesus Christ is about to step onto this battlefield. Come on, of unbelief. He's going to step to the forefront, and he's telling you, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Come on, believe. Don't be afraid. Believe. Come on, he's tried to kill our joy. He's tried to kill our joy. And the only way he can is if we let him kill our joy. Come on, step up. Step out. Don't be afraid. Believe. The battle is almost over. Victory is in sight. Come on. The miracle signs and wonders are on the horizon. The harvest for Salem, Illinois is about to happen. I'm about to close, but because I feel we need, we're going to step up. I want you to put Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. You see, no matter what life brings, God is our refuge. The seas can roar. I've been close by an ocean when a hurricane comes. 20 and 30 foot waves roaring. It roars with a loud noise. Can you imagine being around and mountains begin to shake? But remember, the Bible says God is there. I looked up refuge in English because I speak English. That Greek looks like Greek to me. <laughs> Refuge means a condition of being safe or sheltered from pursuit. Man. Refuge is a place of safety that no matter what, God will be there. And we can run. It doesn't say run to him. It says run into him. There's a difference between me running up to him but when I run into him, he has me gathered up in his arms where nothing can come against me. 46 and 7 says, one more time, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God is our refuge. And then you go to verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. At our home district in Arkansas, there's a boy there. He's, he's 13 or 14, I guess. His name is Hunter. Man check. When he was born, he was born already with a tumor at the base of his brain and spine. They told them that there's nothing they can do. That by the time he's three or four, when they do the surgery, his life will be just laying there. 
Sister Manchek told me this herself. She said, my husband was in the living room crying out to God. And she said, I was laying on my bed. And she said, the Lord spoke to me and said, turn to Psalm 46 and 10. And she said, I read, I will be exalted among the heathen. And she said, the Lord told her, don't worry, I will be exalted. They took him to Children's Hospital. I don't remember at what age. I think it was four or five years old. And they prepared to do the surgery to remove the tumor. And they said, we want to warn you that when he comes out of recovery, don't be shocked if he's not crying, screaming, because he's going to lose all that when we take that tumor out. They came and got her, and they brought her to the recovery room. And she heard this awful commotion going on in that recovery room. Kid kicking, screaming, spitting. Walked in, and it was her kid. Those doctors standing all around him, looking at this kid thrashing and kicking. They have to tie it down and stuff because they didn't want to hurt it. That scripture came back to her. I will be exalted among the heathen. She walks in, the doctor said, we don't know what's going on. She said, I know what's going on. Well, they came and told her after it recovered that his left side of his face will never grow. His right side will. They said there's only one special, three specialists and one in this area, a lady that can look at him. So they sent her to this lady. She said, I just kept repeating this scripture. I will be exalted among the heathen. That lady came out, said, they've made some mistake somewhere. She said, because I don't see what they're looking at. So doctors began looking at him. They, you know, they kept saying, well, by the time he's 10, you know, don't, he'll start deteriorating. Well, he started playing baseball, but then, you know, I will be exalted among the heathen. When it's time to play softball at camp, guess who the first rascal down there at the camp? Randy swinging that bat. Hunter Manchek, I will be exalted among the heathen. The doctors don't understand it, but God knows. Come on, don't be afraid. Believe. Come on, the doctor may be telling you one thing, but Jesus is about to step on the scene. Come on, come on. The doctors may think one thing, but my Jesus is about to step up. Don't be afraid. Believe. Come on, don't be afraid. Let's all stand. Storms of life are raging. Don't be afraid. Bad doctor's report. Don't be afraid. Oh, man, my family's acting crazy. I tell you what, there ain't nobody in here's family can act any crazier than my kids are acting right now. But guess what? Don't be afraid. Believe. Why do you think I get up here every time I preach? I let the devil know. I don't care what he thinks. I know what Jesus thinks. And my God has the last word. Well, I'm just going to be blunt. I'm talking directly to somebody in this place. You can either come down here and get your victory, or you can leave just like you came in. I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to walk back and call you out. I'm not going to say who it is or who it ain't. 
but I've been preaching directly to somebody in this place. And this is your opportunity. Come on. It ain't just one person. Come on, nobody wants to move. Who wants victory? Come on, you're, this is your opportunity right now. Fear and anxiety has been trying to press its way into your head again. Come on, don't you be afraid. Believe. Come on, who is it? Come on. Come on, begin to move out. Come on, it's a shame when the young people feel a draw and the elders just want to sit in their pew. Come on, it's a shame when these kids that received the Holy Ghost last night, they realize the importance of what is happening right now, but the old elders, come on, they just sit in their pew. Come on, don't be afraid. Believe. Come on, how can you be healed unless you come down?